You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. The 602 Club proudly presents Snyder Cuts, a Zack Snyder directorial podcast, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as he has been throughout this entire journey, the one and only, the incredibly handsome John Mills. Um, okay, I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> that works for me. But you know what? I'm even more handsome in black and white. You really are. You look so great in monochrome. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, we should all try that It's someday. the old school classic <laughs> vibe. It really does. It really does. But uh, we're so excited uh, to be back uh, before we hit Army of the Dead. We're going to be talking about the Justice's Grey edition of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're uh, in Apple Podcasts and, of course, at all the main podcast feeds. Wherever you find us, uh, just look for the 602 Club because that's where you'll find Snyder Cuts. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. At the 602 Club, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can find us over online at trek.fm. And, of course, we're on Instagram at the 602 Club, TFM. Please also support us uh, over on Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm. It really means a lot to us that uh, people help support the show as well as the network. So, again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm. So, John, this was uh, something that was really interesting. Um, You know, Snyder said that for him, for the last few years, he's pretty much seen the cut that he had on his computer. Uh, It had been in black and white. It had been in monochrome. And uh, so for him, it just became something he kind of fell in love with. And so the existence of this... He's like, of all the versions of this film, this is the most outrageous version of this film, and it it really shouldn't exist, but of course it does. And this isn't the first time, though, that a superhero movie has been put in black and white. You know, we had Logan do the noir edition, Mm -hmm. which I was wondering before we dove into this, have you seen that? Have you watched the noir edition of Logan? Uh, Shamefacedly, I answer no. I know that it spurred sort of a trend. I know that Mad Max has had the Chrome edition, I think they called it, where uh, Fury Road had the black and white. And so it seemed like a thing that was maybe going to become a thing for there to be, you know, when when you had something that was that sort of, uh, you know, slick vibe and uh, really, you know, gritty sort of thing, we would get some sort of black and white edition. But it, it, it never really seemed to catch on the way that I thought it would. Uh, so no, I haven't, I have not seen that. Uh, it, I'm, I'm presuming because I have seen Logan that it probably looks gorgeous in black and white. Like I can't imagine that they did, mm-hmm. that they looked yeah. at it and they were like, ah, oh, sure. It looks like crud. So let's release it anyway. <laughs> like I, I, I remember how beautifully that film was shot and it, I'm sure it lends mm-hmm. itself to, yep. to black and white. Yeah. Um, I, and in all honesty, I have to say I have not seen it either. Um, I, of course, have, you know, the film 
and I could watch it anytime. I just haven't gotten a chance to to do that. And and so after this, honestly, I plan to go back and watch it in that format because to me there was really something interesting about watching this movie in that format in the first place. So I, uh, the thing that I'm really fascinated then for you with this is that I'm really interested to see how you responded to the movie here in black and white. Uh, it's interesting because it, uh, I do think that, and, and I'm sure I'm pulling this from a film class from ages, ages ago, where of course, you know, the professor talked about how the cinematography in black and white films was so much more pronounced and color became a crutch. You could do certain things. Right. I mean, and the thing is, it's just technology changing. It's it's no different mm-hmm. than somebody decrying, oh, well, we didn't have five channels. We just had Dolby Stereo. Well, Dolby mm-hmm. Stereo was a step up over Monarl. So all of these things, it's just technology, you know, changing and adapting to it because great cinematographers, color is secondary because it's all about the lighting and the composition and the framing. Right. And so... If anything, what struck me with this Justice is Grey edition is the fact that Fabian Wagner's photography really, it it mm-hmm. showcases him. And what's interesting is the decision to show it in four by three feels more natural in black and white. I wonder if that contributed to him deciding to do four by three because if he lived with it in black and white, I can, you know, it evokes a bygone era when, before Cinescope and before, you know, all of these, uh, you know, aspect ratios that are, you know, emphasizing width. So I, I found it to be more like emphasizing the the photography and that that sort of classic feel behind it. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because it was one of the things that I really I kind of fell in love with this edition in that sense that there was a completely other world experience of watching it this way, you know, because it actually does work in black and white because the cinematography has been so well done that the image transfers to black and Mm -hmm. white, you know, because that's not something that would happen with every uh, show or movie. You can't just put anything in black and white and have it work. You know, you really do have to be, Uh, working with shadow and light. And I I think it's interesting to see it in this format because, you know, we've talked so much about how Zach is so much in control of the color and the color timing of his films, you know, Um, and he's he's worked on that so much. So when you kind of in some ways stripped that away, you could still see how much the cinematography in his films plays into this this process so that you know regardless of whether it's in color or not the image still really pops off the screen mm-hmm. in a way that makes it come alive and it doesn't make it feel uh any less alive by not having it in color in fact there were some places where i felt like the black and white really helped things merge so well with all the effects and everything in a way that even in the color version, it doesn't quite because, and we know 
they were, you know, rushed effects wise. So not everything is as perfect as it possibly could be here. You know, you can always keep working on a film. Um, but, you know, even the effects uh, for uh, this this film, you know, it it's not quite the same as it, it you know, they were going to put it in, in theaters because they just didn't have as much time. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, though, because some of the effects don't. OK, uh, Gordon on the rooftop. The black and white really makes it look very obvious it's a set. But at the same time, it's interesting because since Gordon on a rooftop summoning Batman harkens back to that 1930s detective movie, I I liked yep. it. It was a kitschy sort of mm-hmm. enjoyability to it. Um, I thought that what was really interesting was the sound mix is no different that I'm aware of, but it felt different. It's almost as if stripping it of color made me more aware of the sound mix. And oh, and it wow. really, yeah. like, it, it jumped out at me immediately. I was paying more attention to the sound. And I know that's a ridiculous statement. That can't be true. Maybe it's just that I, I was expecting it or something. But there's a part of me that would be really interested to see a hybrid version of this where it's in black and white and then color starts getting slowly reintroduced. And then when Superman returns, everything's in color again, but his suit is the black and white, which serves as that sort of symbolism of he harkens back to an older era of heroism sort of thing. Mm. I, I think that would be a really interesting uh, the thing to play with unnecessary, but intriguing, I think, or like the first time you see colors when Superman is, when cyborg is projecting him above the mother box at about the halfway point, that would be a really interesting sort of flair to have with things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is, it is really interesting. Just the thought process of the way in which, you know, color plays into a movie. And then what happens when you, you know, take that away and one of the things that i felt is that it did help me actually focus on the film and the performances and the other parts of of filmmaking that you don't necessarily pay attention to as much um when things are in color um, you know, I was really paying attention to the actors' performances. I was really paying attention to the way light plays into every single scene. Um, you know, uh, how bright it is, how bright it's not. You know, the shadows that are created, and you know, I think that's one of the things that just makes this fun, regardless of whether or not this needs to exist. Who cares? It does. And I think what makes it fun is getting to then be able to look at a movie in a completely different light literally and and then be able to see it from another perspective mm-hmm. and it really helped me appreciate just what an interesting and in, i think incredible work that this film is um because i'm getting to pay attention to things that might not be as noticeable if i was just watching it in a normal color format and the other thing i think you know watching it in this with the four by three as well. You know, I think Zach has talked about this idea, but you know, with the superheroes that helps 
create this dynamic where we're paying attention to height, right? not width, which makes everything feel more mythic anyway. And so then when you put it in black and white, it does create this allure that, you know, mm-hmm. does that make any sense? Like, there's just something else about yeah, it. No, it, it completely makes sense. It, you know, it, it harkens back to that old era. Um, I was one of the things I was stunned with was I now there are parts that don't particularly work as well as they could in black and white. I think that the 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 battle scene with the old gods loses a little bit of its punch without the color. Um. It's just it's one of those things where the 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 monochromatic thing doesn't it, 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 things don't pop as well. Um, you know, seeing that glowing fiery orange when uh, you know Steppenwolf mm-hmm. hits the the ground in the vision right. and sees yeah. the anti life equation like that's something, and that that speaks to I guess almost like that hybrid version sort of thing where like that could glow orange while everything else stays black and white, but. You you mentioned that we we both talked about the effects and how you know the black and white can detract from some aspects of it, but what struck me, what stunned me, was how well the Steppenwolf effects worked in black and white, especially when his armor pulled back and you saw his texture, his you know quote unquote skin texture. It was really stunning, like to see. It really drew attention to what what tremendous design work was there for Steppenwolf's skin for his, his, I, you know, I'm struggling with it. His texture, his skin, his, the surface of Steppenwolf looked so good, but what, what got me was, and I want to get your thought on this is when, uh, Desaad and dark side appeared with the mother boxes that didn't pop enough in the black and white. Like it's just, it's so much more menacing when they're glowing orange with that. Mm. So again, it's like the anti-life equation or the hybrid thing I've been talking about. It would be worth it to see a black and white version, but they, when their transmission or whatever, and the mother boxes all glowed the the proper orange to sort of Mm -hmm. emphasize the fact that they're from a different reality from ours. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I I think that it speaks to the fact that, you know, there is something about what color does to a Mm -hmm. film, you know, and and the way in which it can speak to us primordially. And, you know, you you gravitate towards something or you you kind of revolt at something because of the colors Mm -hmm. being used. Or it just gives you an emotional reaction uh, in a way that you don't expect. And so I do think that, like you said, when you see those pillaring, uh, those pillars of fire, you know, with the the giant ships from uh, the um, First Age story, or even, like you said, with Desaad or talking with Darkseid there, as things are kind of melting off of them, there is something that gets a little bit lost in that because... uh, that menace of what's happening has to do with that melting effect, right. which is enhanced by the colors like orange. 
um, and the hot metal type feel, you know, like you just, that feeling of that, if you were to be touched by that, you would completely, you know, be scalded in right. a way that, you know, could fall through your arm or kind of, you know, that again, it just creates all these feelings inside because we've all been burned in our lives, you know, literally because we, we've touched something too hot and we didn't realize it till it was too late. So, yeah, I think that really, um, it does. It, there are there are some things that don't quite um, pop in the way that you would want. But, you know, one of the things that I was really struck by and a scene that stood out to me that was really beautiful in the black and white was when we get to Themyscira and we have that battle inside. Yeah. Uh, I thought that looked really good in in this, this version. Um, and then, of course, even as she runs outside and then it falls like all of that was really effective mm-hmm. even in the black and white version and looked beautiful. And then the whole sequence, of course, where they're riding the horses and everything that was really stunning as well. Um, and so there's just, there's just some stuff here that I just like, I'm, I'm appreciating all over again again and part of that comes down to the lighting that's being used. yeah i i agree with you i think that's really cool but i think where really this version excels like supremely excels are the quieter moments lois's moments are absolutely heart-rending in black and white mm-hmm. because i i think it's the the fact that it's devoid of color really emphasizes how lois is shot very much in dark places when we're encountering her where, and it really drives home exactly how much despair and hurt she feels because Clark is gone. And it, it really, it really works really, really well with those moments. I think it also works very well. Surprisingly enough, um, a scene where it really worked for me is when Bruce, uh, is in Barry's lair. For some reason, Barry's suit looks so much cooler. Not cooler. I love the red, mm-hmm. but he looks. It almost uh, it creates a reaction in me to see him as a natural tie slash acolyte to Batman because he has this really high tech suit mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So seeing it in yeah, the gray, yeah. the way Batman dresses, almost emphasizes that. Batman would blow this guy's socks off and of course he'd immediately say yeah absolutely I'll join you like you it it sort of emphasizes how and maybe if this is just something I was dense about if you look around Barry's lair it's very bat cavey and so there's a very and so for some reason the black and white made it jump out that it makes sense that Bruce would be the one to sway him to join the cause Mm -hmm. yeah no, I think you're right, and and what it makes it uh, interesting too is you juxtapose it specifically then with the Whedon cut where he changed some of the things that were on the screens behind yeah. them. So like he had this weird like I don't know strange band on playing a music video that was okay. It, it felt a little um, 
too sexualized for me. And, and what, when, what you have in there is that Barry has like the news on right. and he's got all these other like basically like Batman, you know, he's, he's monitoring things and that's what keeps him uh, available then to go in different places. Um, so, no, I think you're absolutely right. It does really hearken to the fact that he 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 doesn't know it, but he is Batman ish you know um and then it it's interesting when you think about the fact that you know superman was his hero right yeah. like so he's trying to be a force for good but he's utilizing some of the techniques that batman has used technology wise obviously to to allow him to do what he does so he's almost in like a nice hybrid of the two characters yeah uh you know and it's it's interesting too because the black and white really for some reason worked really, really well when we got inside that sort of virtual reality that was there for Cyborg was mm-hmm. really interesting when he went to the financial, uh, you know, the, the financial representation, the bank with the bull and the bear and the, the, and you hear the narration from his dad, you know, the world's financial institutions will mean nothing to you. The question will be what you do with this. For some reason that black and white, really drove that that again that that sort of supreme power that otherworldly thing for some reason it 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 just worked really really well with that but but i i want to throw something at you and this is me being a weisenheimer i threw this at um tristan riddell who, uh, over on the nerd party because he was talking about this and how psyched he was to see it because he's a fan he was with us on our our episode where we were talking about it and um, I wanted to ask you what I said to him, and this was just me being a, a you know a wiseacre was in the regular cut when Superman walks out after he's been resurrected and he's got that silver and black suit on. It's wow, what a reference! Oh, that's super cool! Oh, he's changed! It's it's all oh, this is the same but different, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in black and white. His suit isn't a different color, so it's more like, hey, guys, I put clones on. So, you know, I'm just wondering, do you think it takes any of the majesty away from that scene, or do you think it just emphasizes the fact that it doesn't matter what colors are on the suit, he's Superman? I I do think that you kind of nail it in the sense that it it's not about the color per se. It is about the fact that he comes back with this thought which is that he's not going to waste it you know um and he's he's gonna he's he's gonna do everything he can do you know um and it really actually i I was thinking about that scene and the way in which you know he hears both of his fathers talking to him and then of course you know he flies up into the sun and he even you know even without the color it's still such a beautifully shot scene you know and represents you know who he is as a character so i i didn't think it really took anything away honestly the scene before that though when they're still at the farm all of those scenes really came off very well again you're, you're talking like all the quiet scenes and i think absolutely they really play even better in this version just because there's something about stripping away the artifice of the color to just allow you to enjoy the emotional impact of the moments that's being felt when we are slowing things down. And thankfully, as we talked about in the episode that we did about the movie, this is a movie where Zach can take his time and allow the characters to really feel deeply what they should be feeling. Let me ask you something, because I, I'm curious about this. 
do you also want to see a black and white version of Man of Steel now? Do you want to see that rendered in black and white? Do you think that could benefit from this? Or do you think that that's, that would just be sort of like a novelty artifact sort of thing? I mean, you could probably do, you know, black and white versions of, of that and BVS, which I think would be really interesting to see how they play. Um, you know, some of those scenes, and especially with, uh, I think, of Man of Steel, you know, you get some of those beautiful just scenic shots, you know, where you've got the butterfly on the... Um, swing you know mm-hmm. and, and things like that or there's the beautiful scene where the sun is setting and he comes over to the pickup truck and he's you know leaning against it and Clark is sitting there and it's got a sunrise in the background and just the right lens flare you know because of that and everything and I think that could look really beautiful so you know I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to seeing both of his other movies in, in this format uh, just because I think this works so well, and it would be interesting to see how the cinematographers and the lighting from those films worked as opposed to what we So let here. me extend that, because we are Snyder Cuts, and we've looked at all of his works up to this point, and are looking forward to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, his upcoming Netflix uh, romp, which looks absolutely fantastic that trailer was was something else um okay let's go through one by one do you think it would benefit from a black and white treatment or not dawn of the dead i think dawn of the dead and its cinematography may be a little bit too dark to pull this off Mm -hmm. because it is already a, quite a dark film because they spend so much of it in low light. I don't know how well it would work. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see, but I don't think the effect would be quite the same. I agree. Um, I don't think the effect would be quite the same because zombies without that gore, without that red gore, it, mm-hmm. it's just... Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's... There's something about that. And the thing is, there are a bunch of people who hear me say that and they're like, what about the original Night of the Living Dead? And I'm like, Night of the Living Dead. Have you ever seen the original Night of the Living Dead? I haven't seen the original, though. I'd be interested for your take on it. Um, It is definitely, uh, it's great and it establishes the genre, but yeah, I I think if they could have shot it in color, they would have. And yes, I know there's a colorized version Mm. and it's garbage. Any well, it's not garbage because the movie itself is good, but like it's just colorizing black and white films is just a horrid thing that never should be tried. What even though we're sitting here talking about taking color away from films and how much we enjoy it, irony. So the next one is going to be three hundred. Do you think that one would benefit from a black and white version? I think you could do three hundred. Okay, like this. I think it it could work, uh, and especially maybe a heightened, like more chrome type version right. where you are making the contrast just a little bit more yeah. because of the way this is filmed. I think it could actually work. See, I would want, again, a hybrid version where the framing of opening mm-hmm. with him telling the, the story and then having the story in black and white and then come back at the end and it's all in color to emphasize mm-hmm. the fact that this yeah. is all a story that's being yep. told. I think that could work really well. Mm-hmm. Well, and you could also maybe do it Sin City-wise, where some of the stuff is in color, mm-hmm. like the blood, possibly. Yeah. 
Yep. You know, so that could work as well. So you, you'll forgive me. Next in our order from 300, he goes to Watchmen, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think Watchmen benefits from a black and white? You know, it's so interesting because part of the interesting aspects of Watchmen have to do with the way that we're portraying the time period. But I do think the movie has a good enough cinematography that you could pull off a black and white version and it would be quite interesting. Um, And and I think I would... I'm on the fence about it in the sense of like, how would it really work? But I do kind of want to see it, you mm-hmm. know? I want to see you try to pull off, you know, Dr. Manhattan in black and white, right? you know, and make it still work. And But I, I think, I really do, I think the cinematography is good enough in that film to still, and I would be fascinated to watch it, especially the director's cut in that, black and white version because I think that you would end up paying attention to uh, performances and nuance so much more than you do when you're just trying to look at everything that's on screen because it's so visually mm-hmm. stimulating. Um, I I do. I think it could. Okay. So after Watchmen, we go to Guardians of Gahul, correct? That's the next one in the mm-hmm. series. I'm going to instantly veto and say no, no black and white on that. I would keep it as is. What do you say? I do think it would work, but I do think that the color adds so much to that movie. And the, the, the that's one of the things that we talked about with the film was just how well the movie is colored. Yeah. You know, because it's very bright, vibrant. It's very saturated on purpose. Um, and, and I it's not that I wouldn't want to see it, but I don't think that that would be the best version of it, right? Yeah. So, Sucker Punch, director's cut. Oh, absolutely. Specifically, director's yeah, cut. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely think Sucker yes, Punch. Yes, I, could I work want it, and would be pretty freaking. I don't cool. know what hashtag we have to start. Okay, whoever's listening to this, if Justice is gray, Sucker Punch edition. Yes. Uh, punch <laughs> is gray. Su- sucker Punch is, punch what, is whatever. gray. Justice is Sucker, sucker punch, punch and gray. Is gray. Okay. Yeah. I want yeah, to see whatever, that. Whatever, whatever. Director's cut yeah, specifically. I think it would be great. Because as everybody who has listened to this series knows, uh, I adore the director's cut of Sucker Punch. Like, I just, I I was floored yep. by it. And I would love to, especially because the aesthetic it goes for, I would love to see a black and white version of it. It would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest question becomes, would you want to see... Michael Jordan's playground in black and white. Oh, I want to see that in black and white. I also want to see that in a special filter, which is nothing but gold, where it we, we take all of the color out and everything yeah, is gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like we're looking through a gold rose, uh, a gold lens, like instead of rose colored glasses. So, yeah, that that one I'm I'm totally on board. <laughs> Ugh. Um. You know, it, it's funny because you mentioned that, and it's. I, I think Justice is Gray is a very interesting sort of um, piece to pause on because of the fact that this has been such an interesting journey, uh, and we still have Army of the Dead to look forward to, and we are very much looking forward to it. We are not done. Yes, we, we are, are not done with Mr. No, Zack Snyder. <laughs> um, it is very interesting 
because of the fact that there are still people I I listened to something recently where the reaction was still extremely negative to his version of Justice League. And it is really I, I, I want to take I, I know we're talking about Justice is Gray, but as we're sitting here discussing the fact that, you know, we 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 really enjoyed Justice League. We are we enjoyed the Justice is Gray edition. I I'm I'm having trouble plugging into, and this is as somebody obviously I'm a convert. I used to trash Zack Snyder as a filmmaker, but now I've changed my tune, sort of thing. But I really have trouble still plugging into why why is it people are so obstinately refusing to accept that this is, if not, if, even if they don't think it's a triumph, why are people refusing to accept that this is an artistic success? Why are people so reticent to the idea that something worthwhile was delivered and a filmmaker got the opportunity to see his vision brought to life? Why do you think people are so resistant to this? That is, a, I, I think it is a really good question. And it, it's something that I've been thinking about uh, and just because of the fact that, we, you know, we've been going through this journey. And, and one of the most interesting parts about it was the fact that you slowly became kind of more of a convert to being a, a Zack Snyder fan, which I think to the surprise of both of us, honestly, I, neither of us expected. Oh, very that. true. Um, you know, and in fact, if people knew all the S you gave me behind the scenes about when we were going through it about how, oh, you just wait till we get to, you know, um, so, but I think one of the most interesting things about this, this journey was that you were willing to put aside your feelings previously and try and judge a work with as fresh eyes as possible to be able to see if there was something that you hadn't seen before. And I do feel like we, and, and this is not just with film, but I feel like we live in a world where we are constantly drumbeated with messages about what something is and what something isn't, and that there really has become this place where there's only one acceptable answer to what something is and what something isn't. Yeah, And I think the ability to be able to move past our own opinions that we may have previously held and think about it in a different way is something that maybe we're starting to lose a little bit. And and so this has been an interesting place where I think, you know, meta-wise, this is not just an issue for film, it's an issue for our world. And this has been an interesting microcosm of that is because I think you're right, regardless of whether or not you appreciated this version or you even liked it, I think you should be able to at least appreciate that the artistic vision of Zack Snyder's Justice League is diametrically opposed and different from what we got previously. Yeah, And so that you should at least be able to appreciate the artistic expression, and this may be honestly one of the fullest expressions of artistic ability that we've seen in a very long time because there's only one thing in this film that Zach would have changed, and that's that he was going to have Green Lantern show up at the end instead of Martian Manhunter. Um, and 
WB told him no. That's pretty much the only thing I think that I can think of that they told him no about, right? So the rest of this is very much this he he's very happy with the film he says he's gotten to do pretty much everything he wanted to do with it and so i can't think of another filmmaker other than chris nolan these days who basically gets to do whatever the heck they want and nobody tells them no lucas but he's retired it was george lucas but exactly so today i mean you know they're very well I guess Spielberg can pretty much do what he wants to. I mean, he did put out that dreadful uh Careful now. Ready Player One. Careful now. And um and uh you know, nobody told him what crap. Now, it wait was, a minute. Ready so. Player One isn't dreadful. It's it's it, dreadful. it's not dreadful. It's forgettable. It's looking at the source material that it started with, right? But with the source material this Justice is Grey edition started with. Um, this the minor changes that Snyder made, especially to the end, which drew a lot of attention. Um, do you think it's just a cheeky, fun way to to have the Joker say we live in a society, or yeah, would you prefer him to keep that line in the official, quote unquote, official version? Like, you know, hearing it. Do you think that's a better version of the scene? So it's interesting because I was listening to him discuss this. And, and for him, you know, that was something that it's actually not even in the Justice is Grey edition. It'll only be in the uh, charity version that they're mm. doing. So, like, it's really... But I... Th- it's interesting because I need to go back and actually watch both scenes basically side by side because there are there are some differences in just the way that plays with the tone yeah. of the conversation. And I think that I I mean, I love Joker saying that I think it's super cool, but I I might be on Zach's side in the sense that what he did put in the film plays more to it staying very personal Mm -hmm. instead of when he says we live in a society that brings things out right their conversation is about something very personal um and i think by him not doing that and staying on that kind of like they're really jabbing each other at the softest bits of of their psyche you know um you know harley quinn and 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 then you know uh, about uh, the boy wonder and so those are the two soft spots that these characters have um so i i think staying personal makes it a little bit um i think it makes more sense well and i think that the the gray version it's interesting because there are some shortcomings with the effects uh, at the end i guess some of the background stuff you know we, we acknowledged that earlier and I think that there is a turning it black and white, that stuff like the rooftop in Gotham, it, it you sort of forgive it a little bit more. Like it, it's less noticeable to you because the black and white thing sort of makes you feel like it's an old timey sort of thing where you expect that false backdrop sort of thing going right, on. Right. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I would, um, I agree with him keeping things the way you know i mean obviously he gets to do everything he wants to do 
and and make that scene the way he feels it should be it all is the way that it it should be you know i'm not i'm not going to argue with it but I, last question for you is there anything about the justice is gray edition where you would say to somebody who has not watched the regular edition would you in any circumstance feel that this version would sway somebody Who's on the fence? Somebody who was, let's say they were lukewarm on Batman v Superman, where they said, eh, it's okay. I don't know. Would you steer them toward the regular version of Justice League or the Justice is Gray version? I think it would really depend on the person. If they were a real film nerd, I think that this version has um, something that would really, they might gravitate more towards because of that um because of just uh, you know how um this does really have something special to it because of the black and white you know it 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 feels very nostalgic but in a really good way mm-hmm. for a, a type of filmmaking that you don't see a ton you know i mean it feels uh, for somebody who grew up watching a ton of black and white films, you know, this immediately kind of transported me in a a completely different mindset. Right. And so I do think that there's a a set of people who, who may be able to really appreciate the film on that level. Um, but on a whole, you know, I think for most people, this would be something to which, you know, a, a lot of people just don't enjoy black and white films you know and so this might be a turnoff for them but i think to me this is more of a beautiful gift for fans like this is the the biggest gift that zach gave fans which is to make sure that this edition was available for them to be able to watch in a format that he really loved and because we're fans of his will appreciate as well and can fall in love with. So I think it is definitely more for that. And I, I, you know, that's one of those places where I definitely think that that's fine. You know, Mm -hmm. this doesn't have to be the the version that everybody would want to watch, but you know, now I have two versions of the film to which, you know, am I in the mood to watch it in color? Am, Am I in the mood to watch it in gray? I'm, and it, it's a toss-up because I love them both. Honestly. You know, honestly, there are so many movies now where I, I would want to see them in gray. Seriously, I, like I, I, you know, we mentioned Lucas. I, I, I'd love to see the original Star Wars in gray. It, you know, in black and white version. That would be so interesting with the lightsabers robbed of their color. See what it does to to everything. Uh, you know, Gil Taylor was a, a legendary cinematographer who fought with lucas every step of the way uh on the original star wars i'd love to see that and then take something lucas had complete control over like uh revenge of the sith and look at the two of them in black and white and see you know what goes on uh sort of thing i think revenge of the sith would be really Mm -hmm. interesting to see in black and white Mm -hmm. so you know those would be two of my picks uh what what would Non-Zack Snyder, what is a movie that this Mm. experience inspires you to want to see in black and white that's not a Zack 
not yeah. a Zack Snyder film. So I, it's funny you say that because I've um, I've been watching through uh, the Star Trek films because uh, it's been a long time since I'd seen them mm-hmm. all, and um, so I'm watching through and I'm I'm at Star Trek Six right now, Ooh. and I really Ooh, think Star hoo, Trek hoo. Six would look great in a gray edition yeah. because that film already has that noir feel in the first place. Yeah. And the lighting in it is spectacular. I mean, the production design of that film is one of the best of all Star Trek films. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. It's still gorgeous, uh, even now. So I really would love to see that movie in great. That is a fantastic, that is a really fantastic choice. That really, really is. I would love um, to see that. I agree with you. And one last one I would throw out there is uh, 1992's Last of the Mohicans by Michael Mann. I think that would lend itself to a black and white version really well. The other film I think of that is very new, um, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, wow. That would be so wild. I think that could be incredible. Uh <sighs> Because that movie, I, I legitimately can't explain how much I love that movie. Yep. It is one of my all-time favorite movies, actually. But I think it would just be an incredible experience to see, because it's already made with reference to lighting and everything of the original. But then they just take it to that. They just one-up everything because, you know, yeah. the technology is even better now. I just think it would look so pretty. Man. Wow. You know what? Uh, if people want to come at you and they want to ask you, Matt, what other movies you would love to see in a black and white edition? I'm sorry. I, you know what? I, I feel, I feel, I feel almost like I, I've just sort of like run down this rabbit hole. Uh, like I almost want to do a whole other hour conversation on <laughs> other movies I'd love to see in black and white. Cause like, n- it'd be pretty yeah, cool. Like now yeah. I'm like looking up at my movie collection. I'm like, Oh, that'd be good in black and white. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be good in black and mm-hmm. white. Like the Godfather. That'd yep. be really interesting in black and white. Ooh, wouldn't that be? Oh my gosh. Be? Yes. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. It would. Uh, well, that and Godfather two as well. I think oh, would look yeah. phenomenal. I, uh, and that hateful format, eight so. from uh, Quentin Tarantino would be oh, ridiculous in black and white. Geez. It really would actually. That's a, Yes, that's we need petitions. Fantastic choice. We need petitions. I, we need something. Yeah, I, like all it know, is is taking color away. Like how much money could that cost? I, it it's true. It, although I will say though, you know, with some of these films, and I think you know, because um, we talked about other movies that had done this more, more recently, and you know, I think the Chrome edition for Mad Max Fury Road, uh, you know, they probably are playing with the. Uh, white balance yeah. you know to really oh, draw oh, yeah. out yeah, you know certain sure. yeah. you know so you would have to do some stuff like that but yeah absolutely i think you know this this can't be a terribly difficult thing to do so no i am 100 percent with you and i this is a question now from this episode that i want people to come and respond to us on twitter so you know hit up the 602 club on twitter please let us know what you think um and John, if people want to find you then on social media and they have this question, which I hope they will, which maybe we should create our own hashtag so that people can use mm. it, um, which is make it gray. Ooh. Hashtag make it gray. Love it. 
I am on board with that. Hashtag make it gray. Uh, you know what? So where can people find well, you? Well, you know what? You can find me and my my uh, my my black and white worldview over uh, on your social media network of choice. At, I, I am Kessel Junkie. K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. I have the most fun nowadays, seriously, over on Letterboxd. Um, I get hate for some of my reviews, but they're all done with love. Every review is done with love. I don't know. You've recently uh, rated some uh, Wes Anderson films that are favorites of mine too low, so I'm You know what? You may not like the rating, but it's fair and it's accurate. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you can also find me over the Nerd Party. Uh, I am co-hosting a show called House Lights, where we go through the work of directors like we've done here on Snyder Cuts from beginning to finish. Um, and you can find me also over on the Nerd Party, co-hosting a show, a Star Wars show called Aggressive Negotiations uh, with uh, one uh, very hirsute Mr. Matthew Rushing. That's right. That's right. Uh, have a blast doing it. Um, if you want to catch up with me and uh, with the hashtag Make It Gray, the films you would want to see, find me on social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. Of course, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, all of those places you can find me. Uh, of course, I am here on the network, not only doing Snyder cuts, but of course the Six Hundred Two Club, which this show is in that feed where we're talking about all the fandoms we love. Uh, John and Chrissy and I have started a new series together um, just as <laughs> on the 602 Club where we're walking through the Batman films that we haven't covered Ooh. yet. So we started with 66, yep. which was fun. And uh, we're going to be walking through uh, the rest of the, you know, uh, we've got some great films by, uh, well, we've got some films by Ben. Tim Burton and Joel I, Schumacher I will, coming I will, up. I will straight, I'm going to ruin you. <laughs> I'm going to straight up destroy you. Uh, oh my goodness. And uh, you can find me uh, here as well doing Larry Treks and the Orb. Uh, of course, uh, Larry Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then on the Nerd Party Network, I have wrapped up Owl Post with Drea Kaufman. Almost. We have one more episode that's coming out. And that is the very last episode where we've walked through every single chapter of Harry Potter one chapter at a time. But you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. This is Snyder Cuts. Snyder Cuts.